evacuate in our moment of triumph. And now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, it is time for the one that started it all. <sighs> the movie that changed our lives. In my opinion, the highlight of the Countdown to Nine podcast as we work our way chronologically through the Star Wars universe. The 1977 original. It's like, it's become boxing. The 1977 original. <laughs> Everybody's favorite movie. Star Wars. Episode 4 in your re-release scroll, but episode 7 in our countdown as we prep for December's The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Paul Preston here from the Movie Guys with my good friend and co-host Sean Blodgett of the prodigious and influential <laughs> Creative Motion Entertainment. <laughs> I love that you always come up with these different words to describe. I said Mighty for the... Actually, I really liked Mighty. Mighty, Mighty was good. great. I enjoyed that. Prodigious is good. You know, and no, you know it's how, actually fantastic. And you know how I came up with your... Describing your company as prodigious. What's that? See, I, you'd think I looked at your company and examined all the great things about it. Instead, I just I hit the thesaurus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, I'll take it and thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, as of this taping, we are 18 weeks and four days away from Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. That's 130 days, whichever sounds better. For 18 weeks doesn't sound awful. No, yeah. I'm I'm getting more and more excited every episode. I keep saying I'm getting more and more excited, but I really actually am. I'm, I, yeah. I feel like this is helping the anticipation of it all. This is therapy for us. It pretty yeah. much is. Yeah. Uh, joining us this month, a longtime friend of mine and the movie. Guys, racking up five appearances on the old movie showcast. Five. He wow. always brought wacky Star Wars nonsense on the show, and today will be no different because that's how I demand it. He is an accomplished <laughs> editor. His most recent project is still in a few theaters out there. It is playing still here. In it LA. is. Go down to Santa Monica, yeah. and you can watch uh, film having a great run uh, in the summer for a documentary, Echo in the Canyon. And he is the Phantom editor as well. It's Mike J. Nichols. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And if you don't know what the Phantom editor is, uh, he had his way with the Phantom Menace. You have uh, an episode uh, in, in your archives of this, too. What? We talked uh, all about this? I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Please go look up in the movieguys.net. Uh, find Mike's previous appearances. I'm going to chime in right here and say uh, Paul was nice enough to share it with me many years ago. Um, and I was so excited to see it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, you, you, you saw both of them. I saw right? both of them, yeah. but I loved your version. Uh, and, and then uh, you did episode two yeah. as well. And I love that. Uh, I really love that because I, there were a lot of scenes that they cut out of episode two that actually were, were more about people. <laughs> Which yeah, is less about robots. Ro yeah. Robots and, Ro and clones and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll talk definitely about that later because Mike has his own little corner of the Star Wars universe carved out for himself. But some quick housekeeping. Please chime in your thoughts at themovieguys.net, countdown to nine at gmail.com, or at countdown to nine everywhere, pretty much. All over your social medias. Uh, and before we get to our spotlight film every month, we lead with the latest news about episode nine. Yep. Uh, I don't know if I should expect a trailer till after the summer, but they do have the D23 uh, I think D23 Expo. is probably going to give us something, don't you think, or no? They, you know, if they don't know, D23 is the fan club of Disney, and Disney's D23 Expo is now where they've done a lot of announcements and a lot, they've pulled a lot of stuff from other cons and took it to their in-house con, the D23 Expo. That comes up the weekend of August 23rd, so maybe... Maybe? Yeah. So we don't know when we'll get a new trailer. But the funny thing is, uh, last week, or last month, the last show, yeah. uh, we said was a slow news month. Nothing much was accomplished. Uh, this month might even be a fake news month. Yeah. Because uh, 
it's so they're so grasping for something to report on with Star Wars Episode Nine that a lot of the news headlines are weird. W- would you like? To, I'm going to do the late night talk show guy. Would you like to see some oh, of the or uh, listen to some of these uh, titles? Absolutely. Uh, let's see. So, the, yeah, this this is news to make you go, really? But here's a real one. This uh, I saw. A Darth Vader head floats above Bristol. Did you see that? They some, they had a hot air balloon festival in Bristol, England, and one of the heads was a giant Darth Vader head. Wow. Pretty cool. That's hilarious. I guess it's not Episode Nine news. But if you can watch the video, it's actually pretty it's cool. It's Star Wars and, and, news, so and, you and, don't know that. It's it could true. be. Yeah. Ian McDiarmid was like, commenting on it. Looks good. Whatever. That's <laughs> Um, how here's a headline: How George Lucas spends his 6.4 billion fortune? Like we got nothing. If this is what we're reporting, yeah, I didn't. Um, I did read some article, and I don't know if it was true or not. It just kind of saw the headline was uh, that that probably wasn't true because it was on the internet. Um, No, uh, that that Lucas still has ownership of the original trilogy. I, I thought he sold everything off, but maybe that's not entirely. True. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I th- I, the only thing I think that he still owns is the permission to show the new and the old versions. That's the only thing I think that was ever a stipulation. Hmm. That they could not show Star Wars, the one that we saw, not the special editions version. That's the one he wants oh. everybody to see. He wants to see the special now, editions. Now, there was yeah. a screening. Did you go to it at the Director's Guild, like, hmm. last month? Uh, no. And they really, really did show a print of the original Star that, that Wars. Is, that's confirmed? At, that, the day of. People wow. said, no, well, for real. <laughs> not, a, not a special <laughs> and, you know, and it was a, it was a uh, John Knoll. Oh, John uh, Knoll. Like oh, like a, my God. Dude, we, have to, we have to do it this way. Like, it was him begging yeah. for, for that to happen. So they did. They showed it. Well, they had um, the whole gang. Was it Marshall Lucas showed up to the yeah, special yeah. event? Wow. Ben Burt was there. Uh, Edlin. I think we talked about going, yeah. and then something happened. We couldn't I go. Couldn't go. Well, yeah. We went years ago, yeah. and they, they sold it online, and right. we bought tickets. And the day we got there, they announced... Just so you know, this is not going to be. It's going to be the special edition, and there's just yeah, groans, murmur, murmur, groans murmur, everywhere. Murmur. Like. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so great to see, though. I mean, but I mean, the fact that it was at the Directors Guild, and because of his history with the, the Directors Guild and the Writers Guild, and them actually showing the there's a little bit of a big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna show it anyway, George. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, that's rough. <laughs> Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is getting a cookbook. See, there's not much going on. Right there's now. just not that. I mean, when we're talking about cookbooks for yeah. Galaxy's Edge, yeah. I mean, I'm over here. Here's one. This is for real. The Rise of Skywalker to feature every piece of music ever in the franchise. This according is that to, a, that's supposed to be a real to, one? Yeah. This according to John Williams' brother. This is the news we got going on. Wait, there, there is a little bit of news. Kevin Smith made an announcement. He said that. Uh, oh. You know this, right? I, I go ahead. You say it. Uh, that he uh, was he, he did tell that story about JJ mm-hmm. ruining his Comic Con a few years ago by him following JJ and JJ goes, yeah. "Hey, all right, everybody here, uh, we're gonna have John Williams doing a concert and everybody gets a free ticket. Let's all go over there. We have trucks and everything waiting for you." And Kevin Smith was next to do his panel, and he walked <laughs> up and goes, "You know, I'm after you." And he goes, "Oh, did I just steal the audience?" Yes. <laughs> so that's one. Oh but he my said god! Oh my god! That, uh, because of that, up. he said he invited him to the set and he went to the set of the new movie and everybody kept saying oh did you see the did you see the set did you see the set and he told jj everybody's telling me uh, we need to go see this set and he goes don't he goes why not he goes because it's the last shot of the movie so if you want to ruin it go see it 
or don't because you'll know. That's what Kevin Smith said. Oh. I didn't. I didn't go. Mm. I didn't wow! Go. It's most icely. <laughs> I don't know. It's most icely. <laughs> I don't know. They just go back to. They go back to Mel's diner for yeah. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> with flow. <laughs> Who will Luke be sharing a scene with? That was a big article. What kind of lightsaber will Kylo be wielding? Uh, the oh, man. What running time are we looking at? Oh, jeez. Now they're actually looking at this whole thing about the score, though. Actually, it started people poking around online to see the, the kinds of music and the names of the tracks. And when you do that, then you think, oh, well, is Darth Vader in this? Because if they're going to use the Imperial March, they wouldn't do that unless... Right. But I suppose they could do it for the Emperor. I don't know. Relax. Well, that's like when the Phantom Menace 13 came out. weeks. And, and they put the tracks out, and people pick it up, and it says, Death of Qui-Gon. That's yeah. on the back. People are like, well, he dies. That happened in Platoon. They knew, they knew oh, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. There was a track oh, in Platoon. Wow. Barnes shoots Elias. <laughs> I'm like, what? All right. Spoilers. Did not know that. Wow. I do think there comes a point, you know, with uh, with the internet, that at some point, y- you got to curb it. Otherwise, just your, your experience of it, it's just, it's just going to be ruined, you know. Calm yeah. down, Internet. That's what we're saying. Yeah. At the countdown tonight. Uh, speaking of Internet, though, Disney Plus, this is worth mentioning, is coming out in November. Now they've announced a Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus bundle for twelve ninety nine. So for the price of Netflix, you can now get Hulu, which Disney bought and will now contain all their rated R content. Disney Plus, which contains all the other Disney content that's mm. family-friendly. And ESPN for your sports fix, which I currently don't have, so I will be getting this. Wow. Um, I just said, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that means all your, uh, that means your Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. And Which I still, they still haven't come out with a proper trailer for. No. No. The D23 Expo, yeah. perhaps. So. Yeah. But anyway, so that's coming. I get excited. They're now I'll spend $24 for Netflix and then the Disney Plus ESPN Hulu bundle and still be about $75 less than I was paying for cable. Wow. All right, now, as you know, we love patented movie recaps. Uh, we've done one for every movie we've covered so far on the podcast, so that means, uh, you know, we infuse humor and clips and all that stuff, but we all know how Star Wars goes, right? So uh, this one shouldn't be too long. Here we go. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. A kid on a desert planet blows up the Death Star. <laughs> That's pretty much it, everybody. Well, there's a couple other things happen. You know, they we got find a lot out of Obi-Wan Kenobi and, you know, yeah, Han Solo. No time. No time. All right, all right, all right. The lightsaber, the lightsaber. No time. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, unless you've been living in a, a Manson-esque cave, then you know what Star Wars is all about. So yep. we got a lot to talk about concerning the movie, so we're gonna, not going to go over the plot. That's right. We're going to jump in. Yeah. Go away, listen to the movie. Go watch way. the movie, then come back. That is like a show. family feud question. How many people in the world have not seen Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, four. <laughs> <laughs> Survey said five. 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 Sorry. Five. Uh, the, uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, listen, on the movie showcast, I would ask every guest who came on the show, what is your favorite movie of all time? It's assumed besides Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Because Star Wars is just on another plane. It's on another level. Star Wars, you know, like, what's my favorite movie of all time? Oh, it's Raider of the Lost Ark. Well, if I discount Star Wars, because Star Wars just its own thing is, like, the greatest thing to happen in our youth and then carry through our adulthood ever. Right. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's the it. truth. 
I mean, it's, I mean, I know we're going to talk about this more, but I mean, it's the reason many people became filmmakers. It's the reason many people became actors. We can talk actors. about this right it's, now. You know, let's talk about me. it right now. I mean, I, in my research, in getting ready for this, I was, you know, looking online and I, I came across the, the old behind the scenes from, I don't know, it was 1978, maybe 80, something like that. But it was just of Star Wars, just the original making of. And, and it was hosted by C-3PO and R2-D2. And I had totally forgotten about this thing. And I'm watching this going, this was my youth. This was, I mean, and, and, and what was always funny about those types of shows was they rode this weird line. You're like, it's hosted by C-3PO and R2-D2. But they're talking about making the movie. And it's behind the scenes. And so, I mean, I remember as a kid just being like, wait, are they real? Are they not? They're not real. No, they're they, real. No, they're they, not real. And they interact with Darth Vader. And they go, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah. But they're in the same room yeah. together. And he's getting a star yeah. on the Walk of Fame. Yeah. It's just, it's uh, terrifying and wonderful. And It's and, like wrestling. Uh, yeah. Just a it character. Was. Just doing it a was. character. Sure. It was. It was like wrestling, yeah. But yeah. I, it was just so great to see that again. It made me, that that whole sequence when they get the uh, the stars on the, not the stars, they got the their foot imprints on the yeah, Walk yeah. of Fame and yeah, stuff. That, that I, I mean, I must have watched, I don't know how many times I watched that as a kid. You know, I mean. Oh, yeah, then they're on the Muppet Show, too, all goofing around. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something pathetic, and that is I went to the local library and rented a 16-millimeter projector and that making of Star Wars 16-millimeter film that they would rent out, and I brought it home. And I would spool it, and I would just go through, and with a magnifying glass, look at the frames and count how many frames it took to draw the lasers. And I took a little book and would, you know, oh, it's three frames to get from there. Like, I was studying. The wow. Making. That's the only way you could see footage of Star but Wars. What's interesting, though, on a bigger level, I mean, you're an editor. And, I mean, this was the foundation. I mean, you're lear you, you actually are learning techniques, the idea that you're like, how many frames? I mean, you're even thinking about how many yeah. frames. I mean... There, there's so much fine foundational stuff that I feel like we all learned from watching that. this. And this was another point, which was when we were kids, where were you going to see behind the scenes Never. ever of any movie? Nothing. Ne there was nothing available. There, you know, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't have, you know, I mean, so this was like, oh, my God, uh, this is how they do it. And uh, yeah, now you see behind the scenes before it comes out. Yeah. 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 Internet. We've already established what we think of the Internet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dun dun dun! So it, was, I, I, it was. I think that's the amazing thing of why it became so long-standing. Is it wasn't just a movie; it also was. It's a movie that hey, you you could make this, and you could make this, right? And, and you have stuff in the closet that could make this, right? And this is how we did this. And you're like, now we have do-it-yourself TV where people build houses and right. people sit around and eat potato chips and talk about how they're going to fix their house. And they probably never will, but it's exciting right. to them to watch do-it-yourself stuff. We watched people say you could do it yourself and make Star Wars. Right. Then Hardware Wars came out, <gasps> and I said I definitely could do this. <laughs> did you love Hardware Wars? Yeah, pretty much. I, I loved it. I mean, I did. It, it, anything that was Star Wars or somehow Star Wars related was just the greatest. I think. For those who don't know, Hardware Wars was Star Wars played out with kitchen appliances. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Like if you pitch that today, someone will go get out of my office. What's yeah, the matter with that's you? right. And here they made it. Yeah, dude. I, I Ernie Fossilius, the guy that made it, oh, I saw wow. in an interview just recently, and he said that the guy that did Hardware Wars, that guy was a famous voiceover person, and they paid him to do that, that right. trailer thing. And he saw that and went, hey, I never got paid for that. And he called him and said he wanted to sue him, and they said, No, um, we paid you for that. And he goes, Oh, sorry, and he hung up the phone. And that was the end of that. But he didn't. Th he didn't How remember funny. doing it. It was so insignificant. Right. In his life. It was just like another just day. Like, yeah, I don't remember. Another, doing okay, that. I do hard Hardware Wars, and then he walks in and does you know, something yeah. for Charmin. <laughs> um, speaking Charmin. of behind the scenes, I mean, there's so much to talk about with, you know, 
the practicality and how they had to do this stuff with models and moving cameras and yeah they used computers but in a whole different way and i i got to thinking about optical printers and i was thinking to myself oh my god i mean they're literally taking this shot of the millennium falcon you know going into the bay against the blue screen and they're taking the, and, and I'm like and I'm thinking about optical printers and I'm like what a pain in the butt that they have to take these optical printers and make a new piece of negative and that has to get I mean we're so spoiled now we're like oh click in After Effects oh click in Final Cut Pro oh click in Avid whatever you it's know true. it's just like you know and it, yeah. wasn't, and it wasn't even lost to me when I was seven that there's a shadow cast on that as it pulls into that dark yeah. day, you know and yeah. I, I like knew that they took that time took a right. second yeah, the photochemical process versus sampling a color. I mean, the reason it was a blue screen wasn't because people were going to sample blue and right. remove it. That's not the way it worked. But now that's why we use green because it's a better uh, color right. now than right. blue. But, yeah, that whole process, they may not see their work for days. Right. And when you start doing the laborious stuff with a bunch of things on the screen, they wouldn't know. No. And they could be one frame off, and that's all ruined. We yep. just spent, you know, a week of our time. It's yep. ruined. Um, speaking of a week of, of the time, I think it's in the list somewhere, but uh, that the the opening scroll shot practically. Yes. I mean, ah, it just makes me so excited. I mean, that that idea that they were able to do that and it looked so great. And, you know, again, now it's like, well, what font do I want? They, didn't even, <laughs> they, don't, even get, they don't even get that right. No. On the new ones, they don't even get the fonts right yeah. between the movies. But you're right. They yeah. took Wait a, a piece. Not right in the... And that they don't the the letter the fonts aren't quite the same as the original or yeah. amongst each other amongst each other in really the, yeah amongst yeah. each other really yeah. like Jedi and Force Awakens you're yeah, not quite right yeah. wow Brian Johnson just like I'm not doing anything yeah, anybody they're not, else they're not says. the same they're not perfect <laughs> and we have a computer and they're still just not right <laughs> wow but those cut, other ones are cut literally just paste. lithographs like on a thing and a camera moved and yeah. did all that stuff yeah it's great no kidding yeah. that's crazy well the, how, I mean that is Wow. I mean, because all you, there's, there's not, it doesn't shake at all, does it? I mean, maybe you need to watch it again, but it's just a nice No, smooth, it's good. No, yeah. it's really well Is done. Is it a robotic arm that moves it then? So it doesn't... No. I, mm, so that nothing like... I thought it was like a drive. I thought they had to drive to do it. Yeah, it was on gears. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, and but it still didn't like Wars, wiggle. But if you watch Hardware Wars, yeah. that one goes all over the place. <laughs> that one they didn't do so well. Yeah. But. Um, you know, when you do things on film and practically and, and also based on their budget it, it was interesting one of the things that I, I I don't know if I knew I didn't realize the swing across they only shot one time I had no I, I totally I, right? either I had read it and forgot it or just I, I was like wow one time because even there's an interview in the behind the That's scenes right. where Carrie says right. yeah we we, we, did, we were terrified our stomachs were hurting we did the swing across and then so it was like one of those things like you go on a ride and you're like yeah I'm ready to do it again they're like nope we got it yeah. <laughs> It became dangerous after they did it once. Uh, before that, it's like, oh, you can do this. It's easy. Yeah. Once? Okay, we're getting it. We're getting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut, did done. they live? Great. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is an iconic shot. Yeah. Like, Multiple I mean, cameras, too. That I was going to say, they, yeah, get the, yeah. they had to cover the hell out of that. Yeah. That's the other thing, uh, watching the behind the scenes, it reminded me of, you know, we... I mean, we consume, you know, being filmmakers, so much about like new cameras and new sensors and new, uh, you know, this NLE has these things and da 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 and all this stuff, these lights and. And you look at the behind the scenes it's of Star pretty. Wars, and at the end of the day, there's so much of it that really is about the acting, the art direction. Uh, I mean, y you know, I mean, it's basic lights, and it's and the, some of the cameras are just old school 35 millimeter. You know, I mean, they're not even that great of film cameras. They're noisy. Yeah, 
I mean, and they're on tripods. Yeah, and they're on tripods, and they're just, and it just goes to show you that it's, it's not, it's not the camera. It's not the camera. It's what you do with it. That's right. Who was the DP on Star Wars? Uh, Holy how crap! How do we not know that? To the internet. Teshner, Tender, Ten. I, ten? I mean, for some reason, I, the name that keeps popping in my head, I know it's wrong. It's Dave Tattersall, but that's for some. Da, yeah, 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 yeah. That's. Uh, I feel like that's right. Uh, You're right. That does okay. sound yes. wrong. It does sound. Oh, wrong. is it wrong? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <You're such> a... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> right, Please need, pause while we look this up. We need a cue. No, because I was going to talk to you about the editors for sure. Because we had. A well, you team. know, the, you have it. I know you have it. What his the first editor's name was. Yes, uh, uh, Tattersall. No, okay. uh, his name uh, T. M. Christopher. <laughs> okay, right. And then George Lucas was always uncredited as an editor. But then there was Paul Hirsch, Richard Chu, and of course Marshall, Marshall Lucas. Lucas, who well, all those people consider the savior of the film. So, what's the real story about how the editors came in? And you know this, right? Don't you? I, 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 I how they came in it. and out of the. Uh, out of I can the... never remember what the guy's name was, but when they shoot a movie and they take the pieces and based on the script, you put the things together in the order that it is in the script. It's I always say there's three S's: there's script, and there's story, and then you put the style in it. And so they mm. assemble it the way George Lucas wrote it, and they all kind of looked at it and went, "Wow, this is really boring." Like it didn't have oh, anything, and he didn't like it either. But. That's just kind of where it went. He just said it had nothing. And so he was talking to his wife about it. And he was begging her. She was doing, I think it's Alice doesn't live here anymore. I think uh, that sounds right. I feel like that is right. And yeah. he was asking for her help. And then she was like, well, it's big. We have to get other people involved in it. And then um, Paul Hirsch, I think it's funny because I went and saw him at the New Beverly because he did Blowout, which is another movie I really like. Such a great movie. And he talked about how he met George Lucas. He did Phantom at the Paradise, which I hadn't seen at that time. And he said George Lewis was just staring at the ground. She goes, oh, this is a Paul. He's an editor. And after he said he's the editor of the movie you just saw, George went, wait, 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 you you did this movie? And then they got a call, and he wanted him to work on Star Wars. Wow. So he was That's like, yeah, so I cool. had no idea I made an impression More on that guy. More stories like that will be in Paul Hirsch's book. Yeah. He's writing a book coming out in November. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, follow him online. And nice. so that'll, that'll have all sorts of cool stories. We'll get the real lowdown of what's up. But I say that she piloted a lot of the... We don't need, you know how, uh, because there's so much ADR to replace people have masks. I think mm. she knew that there's lots of lines they could just get rid of, that everything was redundant. Mm. or too, And that was what, she, she, made a, she made a serious film out of what it was. And I, I, I know they say it's for kids, but they never meant that to be for kids. That was mm. just supposed to be a movie for everybody. Mm. And when it wasn't working, they were like, well, it'll work for kids. And they... That blockbuster podcast I mentioned to you earlier, yeah. they do a reenactment of the first time they screen it for the executives, and they went, well, well I guess maybe the kids will like it. And she was crying because <laughs> it didn't have the music in it. It didn't mm. have everything all fully done. But they're just like, it's a throwaway. And I think she felt like she was really putting a lot of um, smart adult values into that film. Mm. And it was meant to be something else. And then once John Williams' music got involved in it, it did become something else. Was there, uh, I mean... I don't know if we even know the answer to this, but was there this... I feel like there was some exploration that Lucas was doing, I mean, obviously, while he was making this, because there's there's takes of, you know, the actors kind of being goofy, of, you know... Was there a sense of, like, is this more goofy than... You know, I, I mean, I, I always thought did he not know? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, was there was there did, did how much did she really save? I mean, did she go back? And I mean, I feel there's like a lot of ADR. And yeah, I, I've, I've, I've heard some lines of Harrison Ford where he delivered him and he sort of 
I think they're just bored at that point. And right. They just start throwing it away after multiple takes. There's like, oh yeah, there's a spaceship, but yeah. it looks like a moon, and so like they just I throw think it away. He's just bored. Yeah. yeah. He would <laughs> or be the high. One. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> so so they ADR'd a lot of things to help that. She was really clever with how to put that stuff together and make it be serious. Interesting. It, be it sound or just cutting away and having ADR replace something. Right. That was what her gift was. Right. And then she had two other guys that were helping her, you know, piece that together because it was uh, massive. Right. And then the whole idea of uh, the effects guys, you had mentioned this, the effects guys had worked for over a year and spent like a million dollars and they only had one shot that was bad because they were they didn't have the stuff didn't exist. They were building it. And um, they that's when George Lucas, the the part where he took um, uh, World War Footage. Oh yeah, and spliced and, it and, in for and, the dogfights and, fights and, and kind of said, stuff. "Well, this is what I mean," and and he gave him a representation. Yeah, and then those guys went, "Oh, like that became oh we can imitate that." Yeah, and, and then they, they just literally did, and they were yeah. on fire after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, after yeah. that, but they just didn't know what to do. Right. Yeah, I they think, needed that direction. I mean, I feel like there was so much going on for him in, in the process. I mean, the development of. Uh, new technology, the development of new filmmaking techniques, and then at the same token, like, you know, I know he was, like, kind of fighting against the crew, and, like... The, I mean, yeah, the London crew yeah. would not... They wouldn't work past five, and oh, they had geez. to take their breaks all the time, and he'd be like, oh, is there any way we could stay along? No, no. And then I, he went into the Got hospital tea, for, like, a, pa- Sorry. a panic attack. I, I didn't realize that that was that serious, but he thought he was having a heart attack, and he went in, and they said, you're gonna have to stop doing what you're doing. He goes, I'm making a film. I can't stop. Wow. Yeah, but he just thought it was a disaster. Wow. The Blockbuster podcast, though, that just... That, I'm going to, yeah, it check that it's out. It's just neat hearing hearing yeah. that uh, them reenact some of those, it, it, those it's, moments. So it's a reenactment of Spielberg and Lucas's early days in yes. the 70s. But as is far it, as what accounts that people verify that, yes, this is true. I was going to wonder what the source yeah. material is. I don't think they just went, let's just have them talk and shake hands and play chess. No, I think it was yeah, people yeah. who were there, they interviewed them and asked them to verify. And then they true. just sort of... Base it on a true story. Yes. So we've talked a lot about um, where and when we saw Star Wars for the first time, and maybe you've covered this on another movie, guys. But when (laughs) and where did you see Star Wars Uh, for the first time? Or every movie, guys. Yeah. (laughs) I want to say a different story, and go ahead. Paul knows this uh, because I had told him this before. But back where I was from uh, was in a little small town in Illinois, Mm. and. My friends, he had this mother who was single and she was dating this guy and um, he wanted to get in good with the kids. He goes, hey, I got this uh, videotape player machine over here with some space movies if you guys want to come over and watch it. And we went over there <laughs> yeah, yeah. and sat down and space he, movies, he pops yay. in and it's Star Wars. But this is Star Wars before it was, it's not on VHS. No one even had that. Right. And we're sitting in his house go, looking at each other going, how are we watching this? And it was work print. It had codes and splices and everything else on there. And we saw different versions. What? Alternate things. That what? That we knew that would turn black and white and do that. And we were just mesmerized. And then we would watch it again. And then the next week, we would go back over to this guy's house again and be like, oh, yeah, we really like to watch this. And he would show this all the time. And then the, he kept going, Mom, please keep dating him so we can go watch Star Wars at his house. She didn't like him. And the <laughs> last time last time we tried to go over and he told us that... Uh, yeah, it's not here anymore. I uh, I taped over it with wrestling, and and that's it. It's gone. And I found out years oh. later, like how did this guy in this small town have it? And it turned out that Tom Smith, who ran ILM, he oversaw all of that through all the big Star Wars movies, was from my hometown. 
and those two went to high school together. Oh my god! And he just like, oh yeah, making the space movie, and they must have just been such good friends. He gave him something, not thinking it was any value, but it's like a three quarter inch type tape. It's something weird like that. And we were watching a different version of Star Wars. Oh, my God. A lot. So. Wow. What's your memory of it? Was it good? Was it terrible? Was it? Well, it was. I mean, mean, it was amazing amazing just to see. But yeah. It was clearly just amazing. And I wish I could. I wish I documented. Yes. But I know that Biggs was in it more. uh, Yeah. That was something that we just knew. It was like, that's not. That's new. That never happened before. Right. Um, So it had the deleted scene. It had had portions of Biggs in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that 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 stuff, I went back and watched those deleted scenes, by the way, and and it was definitely it needed to it go, needed to yeah. Go. And and there's an argument because they put his one scene with they Luke did. back in, and it's like no, there's no there's no emotional it's value. Bad, yeah. You, you should have just it kept it gone. out. Yeah. I mean, it's too bad, but yeah. Did the guy who played Biggs <clears throat> kill himself, or? <laughs> 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 well, should he have? No, I, I mean, I don't think it changed it. Well, other, well, other than the fact that you know he wasn't known, but it, I, I can't imagine it changed the amount of money that he made in like residuals and things no, like that, right? Probably I mean, not at all. Yeah. So I mean, he just got paid and yeah. walked away. Yeah. So no, right. I mean, it's sad, you know, and and he he wasn't known, but now he's kind of a legend, really. <laughs> so you know, I mean, how cool would that be? You're sitting here today as the guy that got cut out of Star Wars, right? That's still, I mean, that still show up at Comic Con, yeah. And Paul, you know, the list of people who were there, uh, they would be, have a panel. There's like a. Uh, at the Halloween convention, there's people who played extras on the Halloween movie signing autographs because you've seen them in the movie. Wow. Uh, and this would be the guy. Hey, I'm the guy that got cut from Star Wars. Wow. Well, that okay. I feel like he could clean up. Yeah. Quick uh, update. I think his name is Garrick Hagen. Yes. So many credits. So that's the so DP. Many so many credits. No, no, no. This is the oh. This is Biggs. Oh, Biggs. Is he oh. the fall guy? The DP, by the way, Gilbert. Gilbert uh, Taylor. Taylor. Yes. What was it? Gilbert what? Gilbert Taylor. Taylor. Gilbert Taylor. Uh, Props to Gilbert Taylor. Yeah, Garrick Hagen, no shortage of work. In fact, he's got 2019 credits, so 173 credits total on IMDb. It's Fall the Guy, guy right? He's on Fall Guy? Turned it into all sorts of nonsense. Wow. Uh, let's see. Um, no, I don't see that here. I'm just wishing Maybe it's it. the wrong guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all of that for nothing. All of that for nothing. I'm well, just making stuff up. Here's a, here we are on the internet giving out fake information. <laughs> <laughs> but it said Red Three Bigs, right? That would be yeah, him. Because yeah. wasn't his name Starlighter? Big Starlighter. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> use that here. They just called him Red Three. Yeah, I can't even get. I'm just gonna let that go. Video. That's good. I like that better. Oh my gosh! But uh, I have happy. an action figure at home of of him. Oh, oh yeah. Bigs. Yeah, that's got to be worth something. I never took it out of the case. We like it was laying le- in a box somewhere, and I don't know what year it came out. It came out after Star Wars. Yeah, it was after after that, where they started yeah. reissuing things. But I was like. I mean, no one knows who he is, so I bought that. Yeah. Just kind of threw it in a box and never opened God, it. I but I do that. have a big action figure. That's awesome. You brought toys today, Mike. I did. What well, these got? were, well, we were saying earlier about how you couldn't re experience Star Wars. Like, you take things for granted now that any movie you see in a four week window, you know, it's on airplanes. You can, one to one, you can watch anything on demand that you want to see. Once the movie's out, like people scramble to be there opening night, but relax, it will be available to you anytime yes. for the rest of your life. Which is, yep. which, is, which is why, like the Marvel movies, I need to know what happens tonight. I don't want right. to wait that. And those are really successful. But Star Wars movies and mini movies, you know, the Jaws, the big Steven Spielberg movies, once you saw them in the theater, you never saw them again. And I, we talked about how the filmmakers were born out of that. And 
there's that phrase that says captures imagination. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a dorky phrase. Oh, this movie captures people's imagination. But I said Star Wars kind of did because it didn't give you a one-to-one relationship with the film anymore. You had toys that you would go create your yeah. own adventures with. You had books that would tell you the story, but they're not literally the exact words. There were radio dramas and everything, and I, and I, I brought some of that stuff today. I, like, this I, is, I have the comic books still that I had when I was books, a kid. Right. They're, they're basically, you pick them up, they just turn to dust now. Yeah. 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 They were read and reread so many times because I couldn't watch the movie. I had to read them. And that's it. You comic. could not see it. Uh, and I've become recently fascinated with Super 8 film. Do I need to explain Super 8 film? Sure. Film. Uh, it was what was used <laughs> to shoot movies with. <laughs> and they would use normally 35 millimeter film, and that's the size of the film. And then for consumer use for a while, they it was half that. They would cut it, and it would be 16 millimeter. And that was too expensive. So for the uh, regular market, they started something called 8 millimeter and Super 8. And that was what you had at home to shoot home movies, where Dad would film you fishing, and, and, all the, and you had two and a half minutes of film inside of a cartridge that you would film with. And when and by the way, the sound, the sound. Uh, when you would shoot with that, that oh, oh my god! Um, <laughs> so the idea that you could not have Star Wars, but there were companies like Ken Films uh, who would release these things, and there were uh, this is a eight minute version in Super 8 of Star Wars that your dad could go to the local camera store and pull off the thing and bring it home, and this this is an edited story of Star Wars for you to re uh, watch this at I'm home. so fascinated to we know just what the, this is. I mean, eight minutes of Star Wars. I mean, it's well, we just did the same thing. Kid grows up on a farm, blows up Death Star. Yes, and that, that's why I thought that was really, that's really funny because this one is the 17 minute and it's in color. Oh, this uh, is black and white? This one's black, black and white? It's black and white with subtitles and they come up with their own subtitles too that are oh. not in the movie. And I will tell you, fu- Wait, funnily there's no how, audio. Then, there's right? no audio yeah, on this so one, but this one's really funny because when you start playing it, it's just like, Star Wars, George Lucas, it even says music by John Williams, although there's no right. music in this <laughs> at all. And so they bought He still had to get a credit. They had yeah, a bunch of credits. And then it starts, and it's, your father wanted to have this when you were. And he hands the lightsaber to Luke, but it's subtitled like, this is the weapon of a Jedi. And That's the just, start? That's the start. <laughs> and then. Where are we? They, Who is this person? What is happening? <laughs> and then they go to the Death Star, just like that. So they're on the Death Star, and all of a sudden there's Han and Chewie and Leia. And I, we've never met them. And then they escape the Death Star. And they fight uh, four TIE fighters, and they blow them up, and then it's like... Oh, God, he scared me. <laughs> <laughs> the crap out of me. And they, they, live, <laughs> they live for, for another day. And, and then you could get the color version, and this does have 17 minutes, so it does start normally. It has a highlight that goes through the story, but it still ends the exact same way. They go to the Death Star, they blow up four TIE fighters... And, Paul, we, I actually brought a clip of uh, Star Wars on, on Super 8. So oh, it's nice. kind of like this. So they leave the Death Star. Luke shoots the last of the four TIE fighters. And he shoots it and blows it up. That's it. We did it! We did it! <laughs> Written and directed by George Lucas. And that's they don't show the Death Star being destroyed. No, not at all. And that's the. Thing I mean, why was, didn't they just show that? And, Screw and, the tie fight. I mean, and, and, and they got eight was, minutes. That was, <laughs> that was what was confusing to people because they're like, I guess. "Wait, this is uh, this is this one was the eight minute version because <laughs> oh, okay. it actually had bottom of the screen. It says, and they lived to fight another day or something else like that.' And that's how it went. And then this wow. one does the exact same thing. And I think that Lucas said, "Well, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away." But then oddly, the toys came out. 
and they made Super 8 film inside these little cartridges that played for two minutes. And you would look through the thing and you turn on the crank. And this has all the footage that's not in there. <laughs> oh, so you found it! <laughs> so there are people who were buying this, 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 all these things to get the and whole splicing thing. them and making a 45, 50 minute version of Star Wars. Wow. Some that had sound, some that had the ba- and having their own home viewing parties wow. where you could take all this and break this apart and make your own versions. And oddly, I bought one of these and I, it was one that somebody was already doing it with. They had taken sections out and put other replacement things in. Oh so I got God. one. I'm going to say I got the one that J.J. Abrams was doing this to. That's what I tell everybody. I got his. But it was one that people were already <laughs> started taking pieces out of. They were already pick, picking parts. Wow. That's just incredible that, like, I mean, I know we all wanted to experience it again and again. And, like, the painstaking efforts that we all took to, to do that. But it didn't, I, I mean, it, it didn't seem painful because it was no, the because, only way no, you could do it. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just the specifics of, like, how we had to get to it. I mean, for me, it was, like, records and uh, the radio drama. I, I mean, I love the radio drama. It's just, you know. Actually, there's some cool stuff in the radio drama. If you go back and listen I, to it, there's like really some interesting. I brought the entire radio drama. Nice. It's here on the floor. <laughs> I used to record the cassette. They came a little bit later. Yes. But I just yes. thought that's another neat thing that imagine the people who grew up listening to those radio dramas, the, the shadow and all that stuff. Right. And I'm sure George Lucas did. And then they're like, hey, we could tell Star Wars via a radio drama like the stuff we used to listen to. Right. But it's Star Wars, and it has the actual sound effects and music. And for most part, a lot of the actors. That's awesome. Now, I, by the way, I always thought it would be really cool to just get a group of people together. Like, you know, we know all these film people, or whatever. And do the radio dramas of the prequels and rewrite. Ooh. You know, Ooh, I mean, that would just. That's a good idea. Because, because then you could completely have control over the story of, uh, I mean, you know, how you tell it and all of that stuff. You could add in yeah, parts. Yeah, you could add in parts. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Could be, did you bring uh, a piece of the radio I, drama? I did. Uh, this is the thing. Before we get to the radio drama, um, I was saying about how that was the only way you could watch this stuff. But then they had a storybook. So that if oh, you were a little yes. kid. You open the book and you played a record, and the record would go, this is the story. Actually, I have a clip of that. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Oh my God. Let's begin now. Through the hatch strode a black cloaked helmeted figure, Darth Vader. Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans. And of course, you turn the page. All right. And so they're not the real voices. <laughs> and then you could buy an LP, and on that, they sort of did the same thing, but they used the real. Uh, and, and this is what was cool: was they used the mono version of Star Wars that came out in '77 mm. for all of the record. Right. But right after that, they started making a stereo version, right. and they replaced some of the actors' voices and things. So it's a, the record is a different mix of the movie as well. Oh, my God. And this is the... Oh, uh, my God. That's awesome. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a great adventure took place. In moments, Imperial stormtroopers invade the rebel craft with a blaze of laser weapons. They shut down the main reactor. We'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. We're doomed. 
There you go. And you would listen to the whole thing. And, and I remember this record, because at fantastic. the end, like your Betamax tapes that you had to flip, yes. it would go, Clear Bay 327, we're opening the magnetic field. And then it would fade, and you put the record on the other side, and it would play the music and go, Clear Bay 327. And they had to reprise <laughs> they had to what reset you to make sure you weren't right. lost. Right. Oh, we got to turn the page on that. And I want to point out one more way you could have enjoyed Star Wars at home when you were a kid, because you couldn't make it out to the theater if it were gone. I recently went to my house and in the uh, back where I grew up and in the basement uncovered about 10 Star Wars glasses still intact, still in amazing shape. And we're enjoying them today. I mean, I suppose they probably should be on eBay. But back in the day, uh, Burger King and Pizza Hut, mostly Burger King, Pizza Hut. Mostly Burger King, yeah. yeah. Burger King uh, for each movie. I'm shocked they got the deal over McDonald's, but Burger King was putting out Star Wars glasses. And oh. If you went and bought something at Burger King, can you even do that anymore? Do they even give out glass? They can't give out glass now. They're afraid to give out plastic. Yeah, <laughs> their <they're, they're, laughs> pies are too damn hot. Look at look at Han Solo. It doesn't <laughs> what look like him. What is that? Yeah, it's not him at all. The, this, this Return of the Jedi one look looks at, is looks pretty good still. Yeah, Star Wars are still working it out. I mean, Ben looks like uh, oh geez, throw mama wow. from the train or something. <laughs> It's not good. It's a George Romero. <laughs> Luke looks like Rex Smith, but he kind of did anyway. Oh, boy. Yeah. But uh, still, it was uh, le- these glasses were legendary, and I was so happy to come across them. Oh, my God. Uh, I can- broke all of mine, unfortunately, as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I broke a few, but whatever was left, uh, I, they managed to make the flight home from New York. I was shocked. Oh, my God. I wrapped that, put stuff in them. I put <laughs> stuff around them. You know, I babied them. Um, but did you let us drink out of it? I know, I know. Because, I know. again, the, you can sell them on eBay, but what fun is that? Right, exactly. Let's drink water. <sighs> Enjoy. Now, there's one other uh, making of X. Uh, we talked about editing. We, we talked uh, not enough, maybe, about the cinematography. Well, let me go into the cinematography for just a second, because I've always compared these movies to... that. Star Wars is my favorite of the Star Wars movies, because it's a 70s movie. Lucas right. came up the ranks with De Palma, Coppola, Scorsese, Spielberg. And so they all there's a way they all made those 70s movies. Books have been written about the 70s you know, movie revolution and... Uh, and this is a product of that, even though it was the first big-time blockbuster ever. That movie was made like those films, yep. you know, with patience and with character and with giving the audience, w- relying on the audience being smart and patient as well. They don't have that confidence anymore with half the movies they make in Hollywood not outside of this franchise as well. But uh, and that's what I always loved about it. And we also talked about how the um, photography is just damn near David Lean-esque. I mean, which is no small feat. He didn't <laughs> shoot low for this movie as well. So right. it looks great. It's paced great. Um, and they actually went places. Yeah. You know, you'll hear me rant about Crystal Skull over and over again. They, they, they Get out of the studio, guys. Yeah. They went to Tunisia and they went to London or they went to wherever and, and shot these uh, scenes in real locations and yeah. it just pays such huge dividends to do that i mean it's a great looking film gilbert taylor i will not forget your name again sir you know gilbert taylor put um pantyhose over the the lens oh for, that's for, an for, old technique yeah yeah, yeah. And, and when they tried doing the special edition stuff and reshoot that stuff they could they said how can why doesn't our stuff look like this and they went back and found out what pantyhose they had to shoot with pantyhose over yeah. the lens yeah yeah just to give it a it's film old, sheen, it, it, it takes light, and so it it, it absorbs it, the light, and it kind of adds a little grain, right? Yeah. yeah. So it breaks it up, so things aren't overexposed like that anymore. It sh- makes the light scatter across things where there were dark spots. It's basically like, like it's it's basically <laughs> putting a filter, but 
<laughs> now they have I things mean, they called pro mist filters and yes, other things oh, yeah. like that. But well, now everything is done in post, but it doesn't give you that same organic nope. sensibility. It really, really doesn't. Yeah. And now, um, okay. Oh, I was just going to say to uh, your point before about the 70s filmmaking and all of that. We were talking about the the early cut, I think. Yeah. Uh, maybe that wasn't during the show. Maybe that was before. But um, we were talking about an early cut, and the studio executives saw it, and and they're like, well, maybe... The, oh, no, it was during the show. And, and, and maybe this will work for kids, right? Um, was, was the original intention for this film to be like a, a film like I'm, I'm making I'm making a movie it's a, it's a space movie but it's not for kids it's not I mean it, it, I mean kids are gonna like it but that's not the point that's why I always pick on it's the, the Godfather it's Lawrence of Arabia it is right. it's, it right. is. it's yeah. supposed to be it's right. supposed to be taken seriously by everybody interesting like, and, and I think even in the filmmaking the, especially in the editing and the music stuff those aren't people who are doing their work to let kids like it right they were wanted other people to appreciate I mean it was a, right. a, nominated for best editing Right. Even in the, in that, so those people weren't screwing around. But uh, that's one of the things that bugs me about the newer movies is they say, "Oh, they were for kids." That's why you don't get it. I'm like, I don't think those originals were ever just meant for kids. Yeah, they weren't making them just for kids. No, I, I, all over the the movie guys, uh, all over the movie guys multi universe. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> the multiverse. I'm always <laughs> ranting about uh, Pixar because they truly understand what G rated means. All audiences. all audiences and their yeah. films mm. are for all audiences not just for kids and that's why they're super huge blockbusters and totally intelligent and uh mature and by the way when we were kids there was no pg-13 it was just pg and so i mean the idea of parental guidance it's just like you know just kind of an kind of a, a, a concept like yeah go see i'm gonna buy your ticket here you go kid get out of the car yeah. and you you know i mean but i mean we were when we were kids we were seeing you know like i saw empire strikes back in the theater i mean I, raiders of the lost ark and all of those things i mean you know the, we didn't have i mean all of those movies probably would have been pg-13 now poltergeist yeah uh, yeah the poltergeist for sure you saw empire in the theater i saw empire in the theater you didn't see star wars in the theater well technically i did but i was two. Oh right right <laughs> yeah, no i did my dad took me in i was like forget it me because i i can't even i couldn't even tell you a movie i saw in the theater before that i mm. just remember the huge ship going over my head and i'm like what is even going on yep. here? um and sorry i fell in love with han solo uh, yes i know he's your favorite yeah. um rest in peace the yeah the um the amount of referential stuff in star wars to flash gordon uh how much is there there i mean the opening scroll that was a Flash Gordon thing. Uh, later on, actually, in The Phantom Menace, there was a thing with the uh, uh, one of the screens that it did like a woo, and like the person's the face came. Yeah, the wipe. And that was that was straight out of a Flash Gordon kind but of the look. The wipes were in there. I think yeah. all the wipes were kind of in some of those movies. But I also think uh, even some of the samurai movies had those things in them yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, the uh, Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah, I think that they had the transitions like that in there too. Uh, the one you're talking about, of course, that's Flash Gordon, where they were really obvious about the transition. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, up until Star Wars, were there, 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 I mean, there weren't sci-fi films that were made for families or adults. General or, audiences. Yeah, yes. yeah, general audiences. I mean, this, the, basically the sci-fi thing was, what was that for? Like, you know, 12-year-old boys? I mean, was that the, the audience, basically? Uh, fantastic voyages and things like right. that. Those are like, you know, one theater would play it. Right. And they would show it. I don't know. I, I think it was kids. Yeah. I mean, it really probably was kids. So this was groundbreaking in that it, it 
made everybody excited about Star Wars. Um, there's a, that uh, that '70s show episode <laughs> where they they see uh, Star Wars and they just start freaking out. And they're, they're they're doing all of the things that we're talking about. They're consuming it through like you know the record album and the, you know all this stuff. I mean, I love that episode. Yeah, that's yeah, so. no phones, no phones, no. Uh, but one last thing about the tech or the, the elements uh, that make Star Wars great, the score. This is simply mm-hmm. the greatest score of all time. Say yep. what you want about Psycho. I understand. I get you with your Gone with the Wind, whatever. This score is unbelievably good and uh, came out of nowhere. The Princess Leia theme, I was listening to it today, the, the original Star Wars score, uh, is and I've and I've seen John Williams several times at the Hollywood Bowl, and he, when he plays that, I think I've seen him do that live once. Uh and it's just, you know, that, that, that flute coming in. And it's this beautiful, yeah, I mean, it's so <laughs> beautiful. And, and, and it is a, to me, it is a true theme. And it, is, it, en, it encapsulates what cinema is. Because cinema, to me, is about story on every level. The music is story. The dialogue is story. The characters, the way they react and are in the scene. And, the, and the, I mean, the art direction. Everything feeds what story is and everything in and of itself is a story you know what i mean i i don't know if that's too much but well the last interview that i had had wait to your point to that's what i'm sorry mike but that's another way to relive the movie yes just put on the score and you know oh my god yes that score is guiding you through the images in your head absolutely you only saw once yeah but they're they're made stronger by that music because it is telling a story yeah absolutely sorry mike good the last interview I had done pertaining to the Phantom Editor or anything, I talked a lot about John Williams mm. and was saying that, that is, that's the ace that makes, you could have a movie like Battle Beyond the Stars. And people aren't, you know, they don't have figures from many sci-fi movies that got made. But Star Wars, like, what's, what's the thing that made it different? Well, so John Williams is special. Yeah. And it's not just anybody that makes music, because you can make music and it sounds great and you can tie it to a film. But he did something that I picked up on is that he knew how to take a scene and not just, oh, Paul's sad in this scene, so I put sad music. Right. He added a dimension to there where it would either tell me why he was sad or don't be sad for Paul because things are going to go good for him. Mm. He found a way to layer that. And I don't think it was from directions from people. I think that he, on his own, would, in the middle of a scene, change it to be so that the kids knew that, oh, don't be sad, he's going to live. The music would change, even though it's still a scene about Paul being sad. And that's the magic of John Williams, that even if every piece of music he took was from someone else, when he places it in the movie, that's what I true, truly call score, mm-hmm. that there's different. There's people who do music. And if you notice, a lot of movies now, they don't say original score by. Mm-hmm. It says music by. Yeah. And the reason that happened, I think, <laughs> in, in the 90s, the editorial people started placing music and cutting to the music and it became, they began building the score. Yes. And then they turn it over to a composer who's like rolling his eyes going, oh, I wouldn't have done that. And then they have to mimic what somebody else has, has, the, yeah. has placed for them. And so they're like, well, I'm not scoring it anymore. I'm just creating music. And it starts saying music by. Oh, and that's, that's a more common credit that you see all the time. And I mean, it's, it's people great you insight. know. Yeah, music by. Insight. It doesn't yeah. say original score by anymore. Yeah, too often the score says, Here, here's how you should feel about the way this person is saying the line. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, like, oh, this, we're, we're having fun. No. Um, it's not Star Wars, but it's E.T. And I always use this as an example of, of, of E.T. comes out and Elliot's waiting there. 
it's the Reese's pieces where mm-hmm. he's going to return them back and they that musically tells you be scared as he gets closer it's t- showing you visually that this is horrifying but the music makes you feel that it's not right and he plays off of that the whole time to right. the point where he hit he puts the Reese's pieces down on there as an mm. offering and I love the change in the music and it all happens oh, in, makes in me want to watch ET right now in a minute <laughs> he does awesome. that many times Star Wars is a little more you know this yeah. first was a little more bombastic so yeah. it's not there's not a lot of subtle moments like that yeah to that point by the way I feel like there was a little bit of that missing in the prequels it's very um, missing. In uh, you know there's a few songs that I think are, are, are dynamic and amazing like Duel of Fates um, I mean, there's there's a few, and then there's a few songs where I feel like he really was trying to pull emotion out because the scene was so emotionless, and and it needed some kind His of score. Yeah, backing the love story between Anakin and Padme is yeah amazing it is it's their love story is not yeah Yeah. so his score so it looks it sounds like this epic like you know love story and 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 it should be but it what we're seeing is anyway if you close your eyes it it is is. yeah (laughs) i I believe that um but i will say and and, uh, i i know maybe you have mixed feelings about the new movies but uh for me force awakens uh Ray's theme it's great captures that That, and 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 literally what you're talking about because we're seeing this young woman who is obviously alone on this planet i mean it's if 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 you just saw the images and you had no score you'd be like this is sucky moment in her life <laughs> right but instead we get it is and there's something so hopeful well. like she's on a journey there's something going on hopeful and something sad yeah but I don't think somebody told him to do that. He knew, no. knows how to layer yeah. that to make it not seem doom. Well, he talks about um, when he played it at the Hollywood Bowl and he played that theme, he he fell in love with Daisy Ridley. And, and he he loves that theme. I mean, that theme came to him. And that's, yeah. Well, well there's people, you know, obviously <clears throat> when they were making, I think this is the first cut of Star Wars, they did use a lot of uh, um, music. Temp to, scores? To, yeah, like temp scores and stuff. And now it's become really popular, but they were using um, symphony music. Sure. Because George Lucas wanted symphony music, and that's not what people were right. n- necessarily they doing. They weren't doing that. Well, especially it. not for sci-fi, right? I mean, it not was all kind all. of like... And that's also expensive. You know, they were doing like all kind of weird was, sounds and stuff. Um, they, no one was trying that hard. And when he asked for that, that's just very different. And th- then, of course, it became Close Encounters and Superman. Right. Like it just went on for years. Of oh, doing, Superman. And... Well, we were looking, we were discussing about how he pulled from his own influences to place them in the movie. And, and I say it sometimes, it might be, you know, like people are saying, he stole it from this thing. And, right. and I would say it might just be the first thing that I said is they use that as a temp and then you're in that box. Right. And, and we brought in some, some samples of uh, like Eric Wolfgang. Well, well, first Star Wars. We know. Do we know what Star Wars sounds like? The <laughs> sounds like this. Dun, 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 dun. And there's another piece of music that was for, I think it's a movie or it was a play or something, by um, Eric Wolfgang Korngold. That's a mouthful. Yeah. It just sounds like I said something pornographic. It does. Yeah, yeah it is. Mr. Korngold. Mr. Korngold. Yeah, give me one of those. Mr. Korngold, your pizza's and I, here. I think it's called <laughs> King's Row is the... Is it? Holy moly. Superman. And this is Corn Gold? Yeah. 
And then wow. th- and at the end, they do a, re- a, re- a reprise, which is like the throne room. Totally. Holy smokes. But, you know, whether people feel like he, he ripped that off or he didn't, well, that, you know, the... the, 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 the Everything has been done, right, to some degree, well, right? Well, I finding mean, out later, that is the piece of music that they used when they made their temp. So there you go. Yeah, so that's so it, why yeah. that's why it was an influence. So, I you know I did a film uh, years ago with with uh, it was like a family project. Uh, it was my mom's brainchild actually, and it was like a spiritual piece. And you know I had done this temp score with uh, things from like Field of Dreams, and I mean it's like all of this like amazing huge music, you know stuff from the Mission and all this. And then you know um, I had a, a composer friend of mine. I'm like, hey man, I you know we hired him, and I'm like hey, and, and then so he starts delivering stuff. I'm like, it's really good, but um, <laughs> can we go back to uh, what, you know yeah, and you got, because you as a love. filmmaker your temp starts to use. You get you start to fall in love with it, and and so you want to try to mimic it, as you said. So. Well, well there's, there's a couple more, but then I want to end it with uh, on a positive. Not not that he's ripping these off, because I know people. Yeah, say I mean, it all I mean time. ripping he's it off. Ripping I mean, maybe off, inspiration is a better. Of course, you take inspiration yeah. from other things that um, put images in your head. Yeah. So I was also saying that that 2001 was a very noticeable score, and the notes, if you play the 2001 score, it is. This is the slow version. It's da 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 da. Oh my gosh! So they're the same. They're the notes. It's you. Just, it's just missing the dun dun dun. It's da 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 da. He took the next part, so put it in. Part. Yeah. But then I'm also saying that I think that even that thing, whenever that came, could have been inspired by something else. Right. Or mixing. Right, it's all right, getting mixed right. up in there. It's all. Uh, here's a fast up, faster version. I, I sped it up. Da, 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 da. So it's the same notes. Yeah. yeah same notes. That's really, and Paul really alerted me to something when we were discussing wow. that he said, Do you have you heard of the is it is it Mars or uh, planets? Gustav Holst's The Planets. Yeah. The guy was a very he, he was basically a composer like Mozart and all the others. But he was very I thought he was I mean, it's crazy to say back in the eighteen hundreds or whatever was that he was cinematic, but the guy laid it out with these themes. I mean, this is Mars, and you can tell. What? <laughs> what? Wait, what do you, what, what? This is the good, this is some other guy? This is not John Williams? Yeah, the 1800s. <laughs> He's great, though. And they've used Mars, this is Mars, of the planets. He did a, he did a theme for every planet. Jupiter is amazing. Mars is amazing. Um... And and I have the clip from the actual movie, the, the trench. My so jaw is. Stop it! My gosh! Now, thank you guys, but, by the way, for bringing but, this but, because I had heard this for so many years, and I've never actually heard the comparison. So, thank you. And that same piece of music, uh, when they bring the the uh, the Millennium Falcon on, and they're playing that music, yeah, and they're that music is also part of Mars. It's in another section, but it, it it's very similar to the same music as. You know, clear by 327, we're opening the magnetic field. That music oh, is the also... Bum, bum, yeah, that, dum, it's it's in that same piece of music. Yeah, and they've used Mars in movies before 
I want to say for a takeoff, like I, the right stuff doesn't seem right because that, that, that could be right. Is this right? still this guy? Yeah, this is earlier in the Mars. Uh, it's fantastic yeah, it's, music. It like oh, it's amazing. Music. It's yeah. so good. And I'm sure Williams would tell you it's amazing. And, and, and so what I was going to finish this is I know all these people were talking about it like being stolen or whatever. I'm like, but I'm saying over and over again, the gift that John Williams keeps bringing to these movies is even if he didn't write any of that, it's he knows how to place pieces of music that do that part where I'm talking about, where it's mm. this going into this, this going into this, and that's the scoring part, which I think is missing from a lot of things, yeah. that they just lay a track of music underneath, which only highlights what's the most obvious thing going on right, right now. And even if he did, and he writes amazing music, there's so many great things before that trench stuff that da 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 yeah. changes <laughs> yeah. into dun 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 yeah. dun dun. Like all, it's genius how you can change rhythm, and yep. that's. His gift, it's his gift to all of these movies. I, I, I gave him one other thing. It's 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 uh, it's from Stravinsky, and it's not Star Wars. Um, did I send that to you, Paul? I'm not sure. It's, uh, I, maybe I didn't send it to you, but it goes dun 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 dun, dun. and I'm like, oh my god, that's Jaws. It's from Rite <laughs> of Spring oh, yeah, from no, Stravinsky. Didn't. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I sent that to you. This whole oh my god. Clear, and man. this is the other. That's, that's Gustav Holst. Holst is no joke. He is no joke. I listened wow. to that, I listened to that whole thing, and I was like, you "Man, but if it's a legendary piece, this of, of, is a lesson in." I mean, but if it's a legendary piece of classical music called "The Planets," and you're making a movie called Star Wars, look to it. Be right. inspired. I mean, he did well, the right thing. I think it goes back though to like you know whether talking about filmmaking or acting or any of those things. I mean, you know, you're gonna go. And you're gonna do research. Hopefully, if you're if you're a smart filmmaker, if you're a smart actor, you're gonna go and you're gonna do research. You're gonna pull from stuff, and and stuff's gonna speak to you. And some of it's gonna be like, I'm stealing that. I'm using that. I'm gonna use this, but I'm gonna do my spin on it. And you know, all of those things. I mean, that to me is what creates the new art. You know, I mean, it's. I agree. Yeah. And that's why when I would see all those, I'm like, it's not it's not 100 fair, because you he probably learned to read the sheet music and write from exactly those right, pieces. Right. And when he learned what instrumentation was for an orchestra, it would be from a Gustav Holtz. Like where do you arrange? How do you right. do it? and he probably saw those scores and played them many times. Right. That that's how you learned arrangement of, wow. of those things. And I I'm fascinated. I went on a tear mostly because of the Zappa thing of going through these old composers and finding that stuff. And when I went to Rite of Spring, that was where I found out that it was like a play and um, people fought each other. They thought the music was so violent and inappropriate for human consumption, that it was too... What? Uh, and they, they would fought in the what? thing, and it became uh, obscene. Oh, my God. That it was so... Uh, and, and everybody, like, if you ask John Williams, you go, oh, Stravinsky's awesome. Everybody's inspired by that. Wow. And it was the most offensive thing that you could think of in theater. Oh, my gosh. Fantastic. Fascinating. Brilliant. I, and we only have time for a few more things, but right. I want to make sure I, I get this, oh. to a couple of things to talk about specifically. Uh, oh, did you have one? Go ahead. I was just going to jump into the characters thing, but go ahead. Did any? I mean, I, I know we kind of talked on it a little bit, but uh, did anybody as a kid like who or what is Darth Vader? Like, I was so as a kid, like he's a robot. I think he's a robot. He's a he's a robot. He's more machine now than man. Right. He's a man. He's. I don't know. I was very confused by that. I don't know. That that just 
popped out to me as something that was fun. But it, I, I think figured it was a guy. When he walks in the door at the beginning of the movie, and I was like, hey, it's some guy in a big helmet. Well, I think I got confused as a kid because, you know, you see C-3PO, and he's clearly a robot, and then you see this other guy. He's not a robot? Okay, he's not a robot. It's like the goofy yeah. Pluto thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Are they both dogs? One stands up. Yeah, yeah. well, one's wearing pants and one's not. Yeah. Why not? Right. Uh, and then... Uh, I mean, we can, we have to do a whole other show. The casting, on a edition, the casting. Don't we? Oh, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, let's talk about the casting real quick because we always talk about okay. casting. We do. Um, uh, there was a big casting process for this film. All the all the biggies that we know now. I mean, auditioned for the roles, and you know, Jodie Foster, and I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and William on. William Cat. Uh, <laughs> That's true. He uh, may not have been and, bad. And, and of all things, you know this too. Perry King for Han Solo, who ended up being the voice of Han Solo in the radio. Oh, dramas. right. That's right. He's yes. the radio drama voice of Han Solo. <laughs> what was show was he on? Jake Rip, and the Fat. Yeah, uh, Riptide or something Rip like that. Riptide. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think about the Harrison Ford yeah. was like a legendarily uh, returned to carpentry after American Graffiti after spending all the money that that made him right, right. and then he was fixing a door in somebody's office and they spotted him and he came aboard well my understanding was that he he was reading with people he was he was brought on he was doing carpentry in they the building to start reading and they paid him to start you know reading and then i guess at some point either he read it and lucas couldn't get out of his head or he actually read for Every, it everybody sucked in comparison to harrison ford that they kept bringing in because i like the way harrison reads it better I ain't uh, nobody, dork. <laughs> this is my favorite line in American Graffiti. That says everything you need to know about Harrison uh, Ford. That's great. Yeah, I love, I love that they were, story. They were doing dual casting for Carrie and Star Wars at the same time. That's why a lot of those people crisscross, like William Cat. No, oh, that's, yeah, that's right, yeah. Would Sissy Spacek have been considered for Princess Leia? I don't know. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, really young and weird. It would have <laughs> been pretty weird. It'd be like, uh, uh, what's her name from The Shining? What is her name? I keep calling call her Duvall. Olive. I want to yeah, keep calling her both very Olive fragile. Oil. Yeah, they should. What if yeah. what if Shelley Duvall was Princess Leia? Hmm. That. Oh my God. Well, in the end, uh, <laughs> it's uh, and I did some. Uh, I refigured some of the numbers here for you, Sean. In the oh, end, you did. It's okay. Eleven million dollar movie. Nineteen seventy-seven dollars. Eleven million. Box office domestic take three hundred and seven. Just stupid. With the re-releases and special editions, that bumps up to 460. So, 460 domestic takes, $775 million worldwide take. Adjust that for inflation, and it's a $1.6 billion return on $11 million. Wow. That's, that's uh, a adjust lot. Adjust for inflation, The Force Awakens doesn't even crack the top 10, which is currently our number one without inflation. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. The mo- biggest movie of all time. Wow. Uh, not worldwide, domestically. Okay. That, yeah. right. Worldwide, it's Endgame. That was a big news thing recently. Oh, interesting. Beating out Avatar. Yeah. Wow. Um, I was going over uh, in my research. I found some... Uh, I, was, I was researching like some little-known facts about Star Wars. And uh, uh, according to Reader's Digest, Luke was originally almost a girl, which I thought was very interesting. And there, I think there is some artwork, or some Ralph McQuarrie artwork. So they where, came back around to that. Yeah, so right. I thought that was kind of cool. Well, you said there was actual trash in the trash compactor scene. Yeah. That well, it, why it, would it, they do that? There was actual trash, and, and I guess after a few hours, it really started to smell so bad. Like, And I guess uh, Chewie's 
Oh god! Like that, it smelled so bad, and then like his his fur thing like just smelled terrible the rest of the shoot. That would be one of those things they probably didn't have alternates, <laughs> right? Like here's the chewy suit, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, oh it. yeah, for eleven million dollars and a bunch of yak fur, um, yeah. Because <laughs> the Beatles go on tour and they only had one suit that matched. Right. So if somebody had lost their suit, you had to change into different right. suits. So they only had one Chewbacca outfit. It smelled like. Tractor. Well, this could be a question for the end of the entire Countdown to Nine Enterprise in December, but we'll ask it now because this was the first movie to come out in our chronological timeline, although it's fifth, sixth in the world of the movies. Right. Right? Okay. Uh, in what order do you watch the films now? If, say, you're showing it to someone who doesn't know anything, they're a young kid, it's your niece, nephew, child, whatever. And you say, I want, I want you to watch Star Wars movies. You start them on Star Wars, or do you really go back and watch the prequels first? I would say Star Wars. Otherwise, you know everything about Darth Like that whole mystery of Darth Vader being your father. You can't experience that. And when people film their kids watching Star Wars for the first time, mm-hmm. and there's videos on YouTube where he goes, I am your father. And, of course, that person's filming their, their kid, and the kid goes, is that true? Whoa. He's lying. You know, like, <laughs> if you watch them in the, yeah. the numerical order, all that goes away. I think yeah. that would ruin it. That's the um, way we saw it. I agree. Which, by the way, so I, I agree. When we started this podcast, we had a conversation about what order are we going to watch these in? What order are we going to talk about these in? And eventually, for whatever reason, I don't even remember what the reason was, we just decided to do it in chronological order, which has been sort of a fascinating journey. But it was, it was watching moments from this that I, I, I sat there and I went, this was a, this was not the right choice. We should have started really? with the original yeah, Star Wars we movie, and the reason why okay. is is because of what you just said. You don't get to experience it, and be, because the, there's something else that stood out for me. It's not just the the Luke father, you know, the uh, Darth Vader's the father and all that stuff. It wasn't just that. I, I found the opening scroll, the original opening scroll online, you know, that doesn't have a New Hope on it, and I was reading it, and I was like. You know, if you watch these in chronological order, because, of course, we've already watched Rogue One and all that, this opening scroll isn't even impactful. You're like, yeah, I saw these guys. Yeah, that was it was cool. Yeah. But when you read it in a scroll, you're like, holy crap, you mean the, who are the rebels? What, the, the empire? I don't even know what's happening, you know? And then there's a ship, you know? <laughs> I don't want it to be about that, but also just the technology. If you're seeing these first, yeah, how the technology does progress and get better, yeah. it makes logical sense for that to be That's interesting. Uh, that way for, for kids. Yeah. I don't think it really bothers me at all to, to go back and forth, but um, just even for technical stuff. Yeah. Unless you watch the special editions. And who would do that? Again, that is a whole. We should do like an ancillary episode on the it's special just, editions. Like, we'll, we'll cover all three special editions. Um, there's a couple of videos online about the the Han Solo Greedo shooting because I guess they went back and changed oh, it. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. like several times. And, and I mean, there's all these like comparison videos. I mean, people painstakingly have all four versions on the screen. I've and, done you know, that. I just want you to know I've done that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's amazing to watch. I mean, th- thank you all the people that do that stuff because it, it is interesting to watch. I mean. You know, to me, you know, it, it was perfectly wonderful the way it was there. Uh, you know, and I, I understand Lucas's like, well, does it make him like sort of a bad guy? But to me, that was part of his journey. Yeah, he was kind of a bad guy. I mean, he literally is making fun of Luke on the Millennium Falcon. He's like, this guy. Well, two seconds later, you know, he, they see a TIE fighter. And he's like, let's blow it out of the sky because that's what he does. Yeah. Right. They got to convince him not to. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I will never understand. And they keep changing the amount of time now that it takes to shoot. Like, oh, they shoot at the same time. Oh, yes, the yeah. Luke, yeah. The Luke jumping off in, in Empire, and they added the scream. So he's like, Terrible. I'll never join you. Terrible. Ah, I, I, yeah, can't and stand I it. it. I and hate it. it's not it. even him. No. It's Ian McDermott's voice that they just process going in surround sound all the way down. But you know it's gone. So they got rid of it. Yeah. So George Lucas puts that out in the special editions, and the first DVD is, uh, DVD set come around. But if you watch the Blu-rays, it's not there anymore. He just jumps off and doesn't do it. He realized it was a bad idea and did another. It well, is a it bad is idea. it is a bad idea because John Williams wrote a beautiful piece of score that actually fulfills that moment. It's that, but, but even, and it goes into this mezzo forte and this. I mean, uh, but even more so, Mike and I talk about this all the time. Whenever. You can screw with, you can put spaceships in a shot. That's great, but when you screw with story, that's the story. Yeah. When, when Luke falls off that th- that spire and into the, he doesn't she, fall. He chooses, chooses to jump. He and so if he goes, wah, it's like he fell. And right. you've changed the storyline. You've changed his intention. Isn't that bad, interesting? Bad news. Yeah. So do what you want with robots, but uh, robots. But leave the story alone when yeah. you go back and mess with it and yeah. make a special and edition. And if you do make a special edition, there are you know alternates like the uh, what is it the non special edition the uh, what is that called where, where they went and oh, despecialized despecialized. Yeah. You ever seen this? Mm. It's the it's it's probably the, the the most effective way to watch it on your new TVs in that it is all the the clean footage that they have, and then any time it would have used a special edition, they pulled it from a film print or something and compiled that back into those sections so you watch a despecialized version of Star Wars Empire and Return of the Jedi. Is this on Blu-ray? Yeah, yeah. they're out there like yeah. in, high, in high def now. Wow. So they use scans from the parts from other movies to fulfill that. Wow. And that's that's a I mean that's a really good way to watch it but that team negative that uh, scanned a 35 millimeter print of Star Wars and cleaned mm. it all up. Mm. That's the most faithful thing. It actually has the original score too. Oh, but, wow. But this the 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 despecialized version Where is that available? Find it. All right, yeah. you got to We got to talk after yeah, the show. The, the I'm gonna. Yeah. The despecialized the version web. has like twelve <laughs> audio tracks that you can listen to. So you can listen to the original mono, and then the very first stereo, and then you start what? hearing that you can go through and listen to everything that they were changing audio-wise. Why do so I not know it's, about it's this? So much oh my gosh, I learned so much on this show, Paul. I say it's fun, but it well, could be stupid because we're talking to the Phantom Editor, and if you uh, don't know, again, if we didn't. We didn't have time to really go too in-depth on that, but uh, Mike was one of the first guys out there who, uh, one of the first people in general, who decided that maybe there was a little too much Jar Jar and Anakin in the first uh, Phantom Menace, and, again, they screwed with the story a little too much, so Mike's edit shifted and changed that, among other things, and uh, and then it became a whole classification of movie now fan edits and Topher Grace is like this celebrity fan editor now but Mike started mm. it off Mike's the one who got the the Mike went out there into the world ahead of everybody else and took the cease and desist letters <laughs> so you don't have to <laughs> I fought the fights yeah um, I, have, I, I, the mask. I, I want to know just the geek in me wants to know so how uh, and maybe you can't say I don't know but how, how did you get the stems and stuff like that there was that no just stems. was that just they're to, just constructed from scratch th- so did you pull the surround yeah, and so because the, the, but, the but surround the ori- will give you like but on the original, I've got just the but no. on the original VHS there is no surround. It's, right. It's, 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 oh, what well, did you do the original edit from a VHS? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's all there was, right? Yeah. And oh, so wow. you would literally just 
I'd find the score that was used in the film, uh-huh. and you have to take it from being 100% and move it down to 99.9 because right. it's a pulled back Right, percentage. right, right, right. Because so back li- then it was 2997. Right. So and I all line that, yeah. that up, and then I could take the music, and I have to build new sound effects and stuff. Uh, Are you kidding me? From other things that they had. Now, I didn't do that amply wow. because of the amount of time. It, it wasn't like it was on parade for other people to sure. see. But I wanted it to be good enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, that no, was, no. I mean, I noticed that because there was stuff that was. I mean, it was really some really beautiful, smooth, cool transitions, and yeah, it was it's great. still out there to be given away or borrowed. Yeah, right. Yes. Don't let anyone sell it. Yeah, but uh, there is a clip online of Jar Jar's death <laughs> yes. that you can go watch on YouTube. Yes, which um, is fun. I thought it was very interesting, uh, and I may have mentioned this on the show before, but uh, soon after Disney took over. Uh, uh, the Lucasfilm and Star Wars and all of that, you know, they started doing all of this, uh, these ancillary Star Wars things, I think, to try to get little kids, like, up to speed on who these characters are and who are all these people and, you know, basically getting them ready for, you know, Force Awakens and all this stuff. And they uh, did, I think it was like a Lego, I want to say it was like a Lego version of Phantom Menace. And the scene, the scene where uh, the droids are fixing the ship in Phantom Menace, you know, they're trying to get past the blockade, and it's R2's heroic yeah. moment. For whatever reason, Jar Jar goes up with him, and he gets shot off See? The, the ship. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the new owner of the company yeah, killing this character. <laughs> for and, money. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I've always felt Making bad for Ahmad Best. I, he seems like an amazing guy. I, Everything I've uh, you know, heard, and we've talked about him in the show because we had Christian on who knew him, and, and uh, you know, he seems like a great guy, to, and I know he did a lot of great work. But To, uh, to add yeah. to that, too, it was also when I did this, it wasn't f- all those people. Yeah. It was there had already been a bunch of time where people were talking about how it sucked and how George Lucas sucked that I had nothing. I mean, it was already going on the Razzies, all that stuff existed before that. So it was almost like, Oh, here's this thing that nobody wants anymore, but you know why they don't want it. It's because of this. And instead of sitting around and playing video games or smoking pot or whatever, any of that stuff, I did something proactive with my free time and made something that I wanted people. Basically I wanted me to like it, try to find a way to like it. And did you, I mean, I think it's, better <laughs> mm, i don't it's i think sometimes it's like a d minus to a c okay yeah 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 i was curious about that like if yeah. it ultimately did you feel like uh, you know but but i found it to be like a learning thing because you mm. realized why you can be a better writer from doing that and there's right. so much more out of it than just the obvious for me uh one of the big takeaways as as a filmmaker was the power of collaboration I think there, you know, there's so much power in having, you know, a producer on a film who is a creative producer and is not just like, you know, a line producer and doing, you know, budgets and th- I mean, you know, that's important too, but you need someone there to to help with the overall vision and be like, "Hey, that's great. That's a great idea." let's have this person over here look at yeah, it yeah, yeah. you know i yeah. mean I, I think there's that's one of the beautiful things i think about filmmaking and certainly if we go back to the original star wars that's one of the reasons it worked i mean ultimately we we had a great conversation about the editorial process and how many editor four editors it ended up being yeah. I think there's I think there's a fifth one added. So, add George Lucas. It, so five including, you know, Mr. George Lucas and i mean that's a lot of people to cut a motion picture. Yeah. Uh, and Gary Kurtz being his collaborator was right. another good oh, yeah. sounding board for him. Well, everybody said that once he was not Gone, a part of it, yeah. that it, you know, everything changed. So, 
And we can't even get into Ben. We got to wrap it up. But Ben Burt, we didn't even go into. Oh my God! We played all well, the we've talked a little bit crazy. about him, but he's amazing. Yeah, he is just yeah. Amazing. Too many he's, sound and effects. He can, to and he play. can't win Academy Award from all those sound effects that he created. There's no Academy that everybody Award. uses and steals Every, now. They gave him a but, uh, tech one, didn't they? Well, he never. It, the sound got an award, but but the. The idea of creating sound effects for a movie is not an Academy Award thing. He never got like a special... Which is after a while, uh, but he realized, well, I need to be the mixer of the movie so I can be an Academy... That's why he moved into, I need to be the editor. Like, he was trying to find other ways. To get... He could still do what he did, but I got to get some accolades here because that's how I'm going to move up in my career. I mean... Like, it's funny to think of Ben Burt out there struggling to try to get work. It makes me sad, actually, (laughs) because, I mean... He's Those great. sound effects, it's part so of our childhood. I mean, so the, I mean, the behind the scenes. You know, we talked about it on the last episode. I mean, being out there and hitting the thing. You know, yeah. I mean, and the, and the lightsaber one too. The That's boom. really good too. He won an Oscar for sound effects editing for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yes. Oh. And he won an Oscar for ET sound effects editing. Editing. And it says yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars got special achievement awards as well from the Oscars. Oh, interesting. So. And they should. Damn straight. So that's good. All right, that's uh, six movies down, four to go. That's two original yeah. trilogy and the two uh, Disney Disney Star Wars movies that we'll call. Uh, <laughs> please come back the 15th of every month, and don't forget the last show of our run will post uh, just before the release of Episode 9. Yeah. Uh, once again, I'm Paul Preston. I'm Sean Blodgett. And, of course, uh, Mike Nichols has joined us today. Woo-hoo! Mike Nichols, everybody, who has uh, removed himself from social media, except for Instagram. Yeah. At I'm on Twitter. Are you? Yeah, I'm still on. Actively? Uh, lately, I kind of said a few things. <laughs> at the Edit Doctor. The Edit Doctor, where you can find him. Uh, don't forget to follow us at Facebook.com slash Countdown Tonight, at Countdown Tonight on Twitter and Instagram. And you can get the show at YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and of course, the movieguys.net. Round of applause for Sean's editing. He oh. edits the hell out of this thing every <laughs> month we do it, and it's great. Uh, so, you know, Movie Guys has never done a three camera shoot until Sean got aboard. And the guy then thinks. You know, aggressively, he thinks shoots high, and now we have this three-camera shoot show. And it's Faster exciting. and more intense. Faster yeah. and more intense. <laughs> uh, join us next month for The Empire Strikes Back, and Sean and I will argue whether that's better than Star Wars itself. It is, but you couldn't have had it without the other one. Until then, Sean, I love you. I know. I <laughs> know.